Welcome to the Bounty Zero X podcast. I'm your host, Angelo Adam, founder and CEO of Bounty Zero X. Bounty Zero X is a decentralized bounty hunting network powered by the BNTY token. Today is May 3rd, 2018, and I'm here with Nick Cabot of datum.org. Datum is a... um, platform for transferring and storing uh, user data. Uh, Nick is the chief marketing officer of Datum. He was an early Ethereum and Digix investor. He spent the last 10 years as a digital strategist, helping companies like Google, IBM, and Nike craft their brand strategies in blockchain, cloud, and wearables. More recently, he's worked with the CME Group on the launch of Bitcoin Futures, CoinMarketCap, Blocknet, and MyCrypto. Nick is an advisor to the Coder Coin team, and he has a computer science background and believes the future is bright for Ethereum-based blockchain projects. Uh, Nick, it's uh, great to have you on the show. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. So what is Datum? So what is Datum? Um, you know, organizationally, um, Datum is uh, set up as a foundation um, based out of Crypto Valley um, in Zug, uh, Switzerland. Uh, that was a very intentional choice um, by the founders. Um, and really the mission for Datum is to change the relationship that individuals are, are having with their data. Um, we want to make it more human, meaningful, uh, honest, and rewarding. And uh, the rewarding piece is, is a big part of it, right? So, um most folks have not really assigned uh, a value to their data. Uh, we kind of blindly opt into these privacy policies that are hundreds of pages long and and just accept um, or just assume that our data is going to be uh, safe and protected. Oftentimes what's happening is that data has been mo- being monetized by the platform or service that we're using. And our hope is that in the future um, uh, and, and through the creation of a uh, uh, of, uh, self-reinforcing network that we're, we're building, um, users will be able to um, benefit from, from, uh, from their data. They'll get cut in on, on some of the uh, monetization that's happening. So at the foundations level, um, what we're really doing is we're building a, a collective ecosystem. Um, and that's of you know, data owners. So that's you know, everyday people like you and me, um, data verifiers. So these are uh, third parties that are out there kind of saying, okay, uh, yes, this data is, is on the network, um, but is it valid? And can we trust that it hasn't been um, tampered with or um, uh, spoofed in the process? Uh, and then we're also bringing together publishers, partners, developers, um, namely folks who like share a vision for uh, this idea that, you know, every citizen of the world should have the ability to fully control their data um, and also have the ability to monetize it if, if they so choose. Um, so that's the foundation. Um, in Hong Kong, um, we have our, our, our core team. Uh, the core team is led by our CEO, Roger Haney. Um, and the primary goal of the core team is um, the successful engineering and implementation of uh, core data infrastructure projects. Um, the biggest one really being the, uh, the datum decentralized storage network. Uh, and so the storage network is uh, a way of, um, is both a, a repository of of um, of of hard drive data, let's say, um, but also uh, a database um, that that can be queried. And 
ultimately, um, what we what the core team is doing is is building the network, um, also building the um, API so that developers and uh, partners can um, interact with the network, uh, and then some client side applications like our mobile app, uh, which we have about sixty thousand users to date, um, to interact with the network to begin to um, uh, connect their various um, uh, personal data um, stores, whether that's uh, your email inbox or your device data, um, uh, your Apple HealthKit data, et cetera, uh, and and um, working to monetize that. I think in the future, we're, our hope is that um, you know we're going to um, see a lot of other uh, developers and partners, both independent publishers, app publishers, as well as enterprise companies, um, build on some of the core infrastructure that we're working on. Great. So. Uh, Datum has been around in the blockchain space for a relatively long time. Um, so the uh, token sale was held back in October, and it was a success. And uh, you know, plans for the development started uh, almost uh, a year before that, and the white paper was set up in June of 2017. So you guys have been working diligently, I'm sure, over the past five or six months since the ICO uh, to develop the product and you've launched a mobile application, uh, which as you mentioned has 60,000 downloads for uh, Apple and uh, iOS and Android devices. And the application can be downloaded by anyone. And tell me a little bit about the app and what users can do in the app now. Right. So, you know, the, the, um, the main features right now are your ability to um, um, share your email address, uh, to share your device ID information, uh, to share your location information. Uh, and we have uh, a number of additional integrations, um, things like um, uh, inbox uh, receipt data, as well as um, um, uh, connecting your various bank accounts um, are, are kind of in the pipeline. Um, so today what we have is, you know, um, a, a beta version of the app where we're really kind of proving the concept, um, this idea that in a decentralized way, uh, we can take users' data, we can um, help to create a market for that data. Um, and, and what that's come out to be uh, in, the, in the short term is really um, helping other projects uh, promote, um, promote their services. So we have um, you know, we'll, uh, for users that want to receive information about upcoming projects, um, we will go and, um, on the services side of, of what we're doing, help to broker a deal and find those buyers. Um, and then, um, the buyers actually have to buy, um, um, uh, DAT, datum token, uh, DAT tokens. Um, and in doing, and then, um, the people who are receiving those communications, uh, uh, earn uh, a certain amount of, of, of datum tokens. So that's that's kind of where the app is at. Um, and we've seen a lot of great success. I mean, we've seen a lot of interest from um, consumers, for sure, from all around the world. Um, you know, initially, uh, the token sale was not open to the U.S. Um, audience. Um, now that we're on exchanges, um, you know, one of my charges is helping to bring the U.S. market online. Um, but we're seeing a lot of interest in countries like in Europe, where um, GDPR, which is some of these new regulations that are coming out um, that are putting a lot more restrictions on what uh, platforms and publishers can do with your data. Um, and Europeans um, uh, in general are uh, more 
uh, sensitive to giving their information out to um, companies and Americans happen to be, uh, we're seeing a lot of interest and traction. It's just like, it just, it seems to be like an obvious um, next step um, in the, in a, the, the web 3.0 movement. So in the app now, what uh, data can users share with other platforms and what uh, currently uh, are the clients who users can sell their da- their own data to? Right. So we did um, in Q1 of this year, um, I believe it was uh, six uh, email campaigns and, and we'll do one email campaign a week. Um, and, and it's very cut and dry. Um, users are um, opting in. Um, there's a little toggle in the app that says, uh, hey, do you want to receive an offer this week? Um, they click yes. Uh, each time they um, receive an email from one of our um, you know, vetted partners um, and open it. Uh, they earn uh, 200 debt. So there's other information that's being uh, that you can also um, collect and integrate. Um, but we're working very closely with folks in the data brokerage space um, and bringing in um, uh, more advisors in terms of monetization. So um, we are currently um, capturing location data. Um, we're uh, capturing device data, um, all with the user's control. Uh, but working to build out those markets. So on the email side, it's been really successful. I mean, we're seeing, um, you know, the ICO uh, folks who can no longer kind of advertise on on Google, on Twitter, on Reddit, um, and other places. Uh, Mailchimp, for example, um, you know, we're becoming a very viable outlet for those folks to kind of get the word out to a highly qualified audience. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So how would that work for uh, an ICO company that wants to get out their message, but they can't, as you said, use services like, you know, to advertise their ICO uh, because these uh, platforms aren't supporting ICO advertising on them. So Facebook, uh, Google ads, Facebook ads, uh, and and like you said, I think Medium and uh, MailChimp. So how does it work? with you guys, so how would an ICO um, leverage your guys' platform in order to uh, or advertise their ICO uh, among your users? Sure. Um, so what we have right now is, you know, we're we're uh, we have about 52 slots because um, we want to be conscious of uh, not over messaging our, our subscribers, and um, those 52 slots are are pretty booked out um, far and far in advance. Um, but an ICO um, project can um, reach out to um, anyone on our team, on our business development team. Um, we uh, uh, publish the um, uh, we publish the offer. The offer appears in the application. Um, for example, um, Gift.io um, is one of our um, early partners, and um, you can opt in to receive uh, that notification. Uh, and when um, uh, the advertisers uh, run their campaign, um, they're paying for you know folks that are opening and receiving that information. So it's um, it's similar to um, some of the things that are happening with you know Earn.com and, and their recent um, being acquired by Coinbase. Um, we're also fans of you know the Bitbounce and Credo projects, um, but we really see the email component as kind of just like one. Um, one data point in a, in a much larger data set um, that's ultimately going to be um, very high quality and very attractive, very valuable to advertisers, not just in the ICO space, but all spaces. 
Um, and our hope is that, you know, uh, over time, um, the individual user is going to be able to earn, you know, anywhere from five to $20 a month um, in passive income uh, just by kind of doing the things that they're already doing, paying their cell phone bill and applying for car loans and um, browsing, browsing the web, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So what are some of the challenges that you guys are seeing to um, bring this vision into reality? What are some of the, I guess, the bottlenecks or some of the difficulties in uh, setting this type of uh, system up? That's a great question. And, you know, there's a few different ones. I mean, I think it's important for everyone to kind of realize that you know, we're we're still very much in the early stages. You know, you know, Bitcoin's you know nine years old. I think Ethereum's what three, maybe four years old. Um, and you know, the technology that's being built, um, the technology that we're building on top of, is evolving every day, right? So on the blockchain, um, you know, piece of things, you have the the scaling issues, you've got the transaction throughput issues, so on and so forth. Um, we've been very lucky on the development side to have a really um, smart capable team um, that's evaluating all different ways to tackle the problem um, from side chains to um, writing our own custom uh, um, uh, implementations. You know, um, Datum is actually a fork of Ethereum, um, which a lot of people don't uh, know or realize. Um, And what that does for us is actually allows us to kind of um, mirror the advancements that um, the public Ethereum project is making uh, and create a late relationship between those two chains. I think part of the um, challenge that a lot of folks are facing is really um, one of talent uh, and available talent. So a lot of our work in the uh, past six months or so has really been around um, finding great um, engineering talent. Um, and we've been sourcing that from all around the world. I mean, it's one of the reasons we uh, tend to do a lot of events and attend a lot of different um, hackathons and so so that's a challenge. You've got, you know, just the reality of where we're at in the engineering space. And I think it's all going to come together. Um, I don't think there's ever been, you know, more well-capitalized uh, startups and infrastructure projects uh, like Datum and Ethereum in um, history. Uh, so it's just going to take a little bit of time. Um, but, you know, I'm of the opinion that, you know, individuals built Facebook, individuals built Google. And by individuals, I mean the users, right? You know, our data um, our content is what powers and fuels those platforms. So I think when when those folks are are then cut in on the on the rewards of that um, and and can effectively um, um, participate in the in the economic and, and network effects, it's going to be huge. Um, but I would say, yeah, talent um, and just kind of where we are at in terms of space and time um, are, are two of the challenges. But I'm very hopeful that you know, and it's clear because um, we we hear from people every day. Who are interested in working with us? Um, that um, you know, as as more and more schools come on board, I think what the consensus team is doing is fantastic um, uh, in terms of you know building out um, a global network of of uh, studios and, and resources and, and folks like yourself as well who are kind of helping to um, you know take a um, help solve a part of the problem. Yeah. So. Um, you guys, you mentioned that you're not on your token and you are your own blockchain. You're not on the uh, Ethereum blockchain. Um, so you have miners, um, 
that are running um, and verifying transactions over your network that are separate from the um, miners that are uh, verifying transactions over the Ethereum network. Um, so once they move to proof of stake, are you guys also going to uh, transition over to that? And if this is too technical, we can you know, skip this question. No, that's fine. I mean, um, you know, I'll, I'll do my best to answer. I think um, we are constantly evaluating technology um, and, and trying to make the right technology decisions um, that are going to be for the long haul. Um, you know, we've we've kind of placed a, a big bet with Ethereum, and I think that's that's a solid one. Um, not just because of the technology, but because they're way ahead of the curve in terms of of sharding and plasma and um, um, and all those things. And and we're 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 working with with them and work with other projects that are are solving some of these problems. And also the guys over at Loom, you know, are, are helping to solve some of these problems. So uh, to answer your question specifically. You know, as Ethereum evolves, um, uh, datum is going to evolve. Uh, it, it's a, it is a fork of Ethereum that's one for one, um, and we're going to build a bridge um, to um, uh, between uh, Ethereum and datum. Uh, and and uh, we don't necessarily have a um, a mining um, uh, component. What we have is uh, what we call storage node operators. Uh, so anybody. Um, who would like to dedicate a portion of their hard drive or uh, run a AWS instance or has some storage in a data center um, can um, essentially stake uh, DAT tokens and earn rewards for um, uh, storing on the network. Uh, and then we'll likely have um, a set of uh, validators uh, data validators. So these are trusted um, parties or authoritative parties who um, help to uh, validate uh, a particular data claim. Um, so an example of that might be, um, uh, let's say, credit union um, that's that's validating uh, somebody's uh, social security number. Um, and if uh, there's a social security number that's self-reported by the user um, and that social security number is also showing up on a credit report and the credit union, um, uh, those data validators can come in and um, provide much greater confidence than if the user potentially put in a typo um, uh, when they entered that into their into their data profile. Um, so those are kind of the two ways that um, folks can stake on the network. Um, and as far as our, uh, we, we plan on, um, maintaining one-to-one -one interoperability with Ethereum and kind of um, benefiting from all the uh, uh, advancements on the public chain as well. Okay, sounds good. Uh, the validators, the miners, and then the users, and then the, the purchasers of the data. So it seems like you guys have the four different categories of uh, users on our platform, on your platform. Mm -hmm. Um, that's similar to what we have on our platform. We have sheriffs who, you know, validate, uh, the submissions that are made by what we call the bounty hunters who are the users. Um, and then by validating, they just approve or reject them and determine whether or not the, um, 
the submissions meet the requirements set out by the, our third actor, the bounty host, which posts the bounties. So we have like some similarities um, to the validators and the users um, on your platform. Um, I wonder what other companies are doing in this space and how they're solving this problem, because it seems like you guys have a unique uh, way uh, to combine the uh, data storage uh, aspects of some platforms like uh, storage and like you mentioned earlier, these other um, decentralized data storage platforms. But then you also combine another component of the marketplace for sharing and purchasing uh, the data. So do you guys think that your solution is sort of like a unique combination to these different problems? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, if you look at the data storage projects that are out there, um, you know, IPFS and Filecoin um, storage is a great example. Um, they're really focused on the um, the binary kind of uh, storage uh, piece of things. And where we're looking, at, I think where we're maybe a little bit different is um, looking at um, structured data. Um, so this is, you know, like a CSV file, for example, um, that's ultimately like choreable. So when you think about interacting with a uh, platform like storage or like IPFS um, and you want to store a decentralized database there, um, you still end up falling back on, um, you know, um, uh, traditional databases. So what we're trying to do is kind of um, combine the, um, you know, the application layer of a database with the storage layer, um, both of which are in a decentralized fashion. And where I think that's important is because um, self-sovereign identity, you know, folks like Civic and Uport, Sovereign, um, these guys, this is key to the whole equation of, of interacting um, with applications, right? Um, where I control my identity and I control my data um, I can bypass things like uh, usernames and passwords and filling out forms. Um, and I can also kind of uh, sell that data. And so we really see ourselves as a part of the puzzle. Um, there's certainly going to be um, trade-offs between, you know, folks that are squarely centered on, um, you know, binary data uh, versus folks that are squarely centered on more uh, transactional um, structured data. Uh, and we think that, you know, ultimately, and, and I'm sure you would probably agree in your experience, you know, it's a very, I think, collaborative and um, this, the, the sum of the parts, you know, adds up to a much better opportunity for everybody. Um, so we see those guys playing an impor important role, um, but we think we're, we're playing an important role as well um, for folks. Yeah, absolutely. Like there's a lot of different projects in the space and they have similarities and differences. And uh, I think overall there's a lot of uh, opportunity for the, each of the projects to help uh, the other projects in the sense that uh, they're building solutions, which other projects can use. Uh, you mentioned Loom, uh, for example, uh, but without any of these projects, you know, it would be much more difficult to just do everything build all these solutions without, you know, all of the pieces uh, that everyone else is working on, which then can be combined into uh, 
something a little bit more uh, useful. So not every single project has to do all of the work and develop each component on their own. Um, and then for the end user, of course, you know, there's different options and a lot of different uh, tools that they can use for, you know, their specific uh, use case. Um, so let's talk about the uh, data, uh, the users or the, uh, I guess you would refer to them as the people who purchase the data from the users. Mm-hmm. Um, what is that onboarding process like? So uh, if I'm a company that uh, wants to collect uh, some data about some users and I'd like to, uh, so because you framed it in one way where a user, uh, a company is selling uh, their own data, to, to, they're showing uh, ad advertisements basically to end users. But then the other way is where the end users can give their own data to these companies and these companies can use them for you know, a variety of purposes. So can we just expand on that distinction and uh, sure. just comment on how there's a use case both for people who want to display data to end users and then also for companies that want to use the, the, the data that is uh, that, that belongs to the end users. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I think um, there's a kind of an intersection between um, identity, who you really are um, versus and, and what your what your digital behaviors are um, and the way that data is kind of handled today. Right. So what happens today is. Let's say I'll use advertising as the simplest use case, right? If I'm trying to reach you as an Ethereum developer, uh, as an entrepreneur, generally what's happening is you've got through all your browsers and all your apps and all your devices and all the platforms you interact with. Behind the scenes are a lot of different partners um, in the ad tech world that are trying to piece together uh, who you are in an anonymous way. And what they end up with is a pretty inaccurate picture of who you are, right? So actions and behaviors that you took two or three years ago, they might treat as having happened like a week ago. Or if you ever, you know, have your, your, your wife or your girlfriend you use your laptop and, and make a purchase on Bloomingdale's, all of a sudden now, you know, you love women's shoes, right? So what we're able to do and what the, fu- the future promises is a much better picture of, of who people are and what types of messaging they might want to receive. And it's not just about really better targeted ads. It's also about not serving you the wrong ad. So there's a tremendous amount of waste that exists in the ad tech world. And, you know, I think it's it's a huge market, just digital advertising. It's 250 billion in the U.S., right? 550 billion worldwide. And a large percent of that is um, is wasted on sending the wrong message to the wrong person. And so advertisers, this is one of the reasons why Facebook is so successful is because, you know, over time, we've all opted in to give Facebook, you know, all of our data, um, both through like, you know, using the Facebook login and accessing third party platforms, as well as the profiles that we fill out there. And that's why advertisers um, give them so much money, because the advertising is effective. 
So if you could kind of open up that opportunity to everywhere else that's not Facebook um, and include like, you know, really accurate understanding of the devices in your household, um, really ac- accurate understanding of the purchases that you make both online and offline, the quality gets better um, and the advertising gets much more effective. And what that means for the end user is who's getting served um, advertisements is um, there's a bigger slice of the pie for them, right? Because you don't have this um, big tech company out there um, uh, whose who's kind of mandate is to return value to their shareholders. Here, you know, we're, we're returning value um, to the network and the participants on the network, which include, as you mentioned, you know, the storage, the storage nodes, the validators, and the users themselves. So there's also some recent changes, I think, um, that are particularly like, exciting to me. Um, if you think about Gmail, um, for years, Google um, was mining people's inboxes. Um, and serving them targeted AdWords, huge business for them. Um, and they stopped doing that. They walked away from it because they wanted to get into the enterprise space. And in the enterprise space, um, nobody wants you looking at, they don't want any third party uh, looking at their email, uh, especially Google. And so they walked away from that revenue. And that's a huge opportunity. It's a multi-billion dollar opportunity for me in a single login um, to go back and look at all your email receipts over the past, you know, five years, I don't think people realize that that data alone is worth, you know, a few thousand dollars a year um, to folks like research companies, um, hedge funds, advertisers, uh, etc. And um, so, yeah, it's it's a really interesting, I think, opportunity for for end users. Yeah, that sounds great. And this, um, I guess, the incentive for users and then there's the incentive for um, companies to purchase the data from the users. And I guess there's the only difficulty in this kind of interaction is that some of these services that collect the data don't always want to share that data with others or uh, so. So if I'm a user and uh, you know, a company's collecting like Facebook, a lot of data about me. And then there's another company that comes along that says, well, wait, instead of giving all your data to Facebook, we can said use this data in a much more efficient way where you as a user actually are part of some of the value that's generated, uh, selling it to third parties. So you can actually uh, uh, capture some of that value that would otherwise go to a third party. Um, and the most cases, I think most users would be happy to, to get, have the option to select that. Um, so do you need, uh, the permission or the, uh, the agreement for, from these third party, from these applications uh, that are collecting this data to agree to send that to you? Because what I'm, trying to get at is that the fact that the user wants to give you some of this data may not always be enough because a lot of these platforms um, have a lot of the value which is uh, coming from the fact that the data is siloed. So 
So, you know, one of the ways around this, like you said, one of the ways you guys, I think, solve this problem is by having like an application that collects the data um, or and routes it through you guys rather than directly to, you know, through the application. Um, so how do you like make sure that you capture this data in a way um, that sort of bypasses these application, these other applications, which does, don't really want to share? Yeah, absolutely. So um, that's a that's a fantastic question. I mean, I think there's a couple of realities, right? So one is in the near term, folks that are collecting a large amount of data and monetizing a large amount of data, and it's part of their business model, um, they're not going to want they're not going to be, you know, keen on working with data and handing that kind of stuff over um, because that's that's how they pay their bills, right? Um, and that's how their model is built. But I do think, and I I know for a fact, there's a large number of companies um, out there that are collecting a lot of data and they don't really know what to do with it. And monetization is not part of their revenue model. And for those types of companies, we're a really good fit. So I actually did a lot of work with um, Kraft Foods, uh, which is like one of the biggest, you know, um, food packaged foods companies here out of the U.S. And um, they've got a website called craftrecipes.com. Uh, they get 80 million users uh, a year, I think, and they get really interesting data about what people are cooking and eating uh, based on you know the recipes that they're picking out, down to the ingredients, down to the brands, all this kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, they are a cheese company. Um, they have a lot of other products other than cheese, and they merged with Heinz, and so now they have ketchup and condiments and all those kind of stuff. But that's their business, right? They're selling... Um, they're selling food products, right? They're not in the, necessarily in the business of data. They like to use that data to help move their products and they can continue to do so. But if there's an opportunity for them to, say, improve the relationship that consumers have with their brands by offering this type of opportunity up to them, it's definitely a conversation that they'd be willing to have, right? Um, because, you know, brands are are somewhat under attack by um, private label um you know, Amazon's of the world, so on and so forth. So I think that's one part of the part of the equation, which is um, for companies that believe that consumers should have control of their data and kind of follow a mission statement and follow and, and practice um, uh, that type of behavior. And I can tell you the millennial generation, you know, is this is this is the future of brands, right? Um, look at like somebody like Tom's shoes, you know, if Tom's not giving away a pair of shoes to somebody uh, they're never making it, you know, out of out of the out of the garage, right? So, our job is going to be to find, and we're doing this now, you know, brands that are aligned with this idea, right? It's helpful, and brands that are not deriving a large amount of revenue. Um, now, the second piece of it is with the walled gardens. You look at a company like Amazon that you don't think about as an advertising company, but they did a billion dollars in advertising uh, last year, and these guys are never going to give their data over, right? Amazon, Facebook, Google, it's never going to happen. Um, we gave them, we gave it over to them with their privacy policy. One by one, we can individually, you know, ask for it back and get it deleted. But at scale, it's really not going to happen because, you know, we rely on these services. And there, I think the real opportunity is to leverage um, alternative data. So I don't really need Amazon to tell me, I don't really need to deal with Amazon. I just need a user to connect their Gmail and opt into looking at all their Amazon receipt data over the past five years. And 
when Datum's able to build up a repository of your Amazon purchases, your um, Apple purchases, um, you know, and combine this all with uh, real identity, um, the value of that data, the value to um, researchers and advertisers and everybody else it, it is enormous because the data that we have today, like I said earlier, is only 30 percent. 40% accurate, you know, unless you're inside of one of those walled gardens. So that's kind of how, how we see it. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And it seems like this is kind of the next uh, step and uh, uh, the next uh, phase of data ownership. And, you know, it's great that, you know, companies are working on this because um, it will probably make a lot of, uh, you know, potential for not only just advertising and uh, profiting of this data, but actually putting it to better use than what it's currently being used for, which uh, may not be the optimal uh, solution. Uh, and, you know, there's a lot of examples of, uh, you know, these types of things. I mean, you mentioned craft, uh, uh, for example. Um, there's, you know, also a lot of companies that, you know, have this data uh, that they've collected um, and the users who have uh, given it to them, you know, want to, uh, you know, share this with third parties, but they can't. Um, so, um, you know, it's definitely a, an interesting and, you know, useful, um, you know, type of, um, you know, new paradigm that is going to be developed with uh, user data in the future. Um, so, so the next thing uh, I wanted to talk to you about is the uh, to the the upcoming releases and features that you guys are planning to uh, uh, release in your product. So you have the Android application, and what is next uh, in terms of uh, releases and products and features that users will be able to um, use. Yeah, so the next major milestone for us is the release of the public, public test net of the, of the storage network. Um, and I'm not going to comment on, on any dates right now because I don't want to uh, freak our developer team out. But um, I can tell you that we're, we're adhering to the, um, the, um, the roadmap timelines that were put out in the white paper. Um, and that's the big one for us. You know, we've, we've got the network kind of up, up and running on a couple test nodes in, in a, um, uh, centralized fashion, kind of in our in, in-house uh, team. Um, we're going to do the public test net. We're going to open it up to folks um, and do some bug bounties with you guys on um, uh, helping to pressure test it. Um, we've done some uh, lightning implement lightning implementation tests, um, transactions. Uh, so that's really the next big one. Um, and then what we're hoping to do um, is um, through the Bounty OX platform, you know, open up some of these opportunities that are farther out on our on our roadmap um, to um, to folks that that want to um, help build um, build towards this vision that we're working on. Great, yeah, we are you know excited to work with you guys and launch your bounty campaign uh, soon. So you know we're going to be launching some bounties, as you said, relating to bugs. Um, and, you know, onboarding new users, raising awareness, articles, you know, YouTube videos. Um, and users who participate in the bounty will be able to earn 
uh, the DAT tokens, and then once they earn those tokens, what can they do with them? Um, so the the so currently, you know, we're um, up on I think seven or eight different exchanges, right? So they always have the opportunity to redeem them. Um, in the future, I think what we're looking to do is uh, work with um, some of the uh, coin exchangers uh, so that you could do that directly within the app. Um, and then also looking at um, uh, both redeeming redeeming those DAT tokens for, uh, for digital goods and um, for gift cards and that type of thing. Um, so that's kind of where we're at. Great. Yeah, there's a... Uh... We're working on implementing now um, an in-app token exchange system using the recently launched AirSwap platform. We had them on our our podcast in the last episode, and uh, they just launched on Wednesday, I think, of last week. And they also had their ICO back in like September, October, which is also when we had our ICO. so we yeah, all... we're we're big fans of the Airsaw team and and the whole decentralized uh, movement. Uh, we weren't able, unfortunately, to get into that first batch of uh, of uh, of tokens that were announced. Uh, but hopefully, we'll uh, we'll be able to do that in the next round. Yeah, I mean that's we're looking forward to that. We should be on our platform live on Monday, so in just a few more days, and that'll let our users easily uh, from within the application. You know purchase our tokens and then, you know, perform actions, uh, like, you know, share staking on our platform and, um, you know, doing performing super bounties. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's a great way to easily let users obtain the token, um, in order to perform. Uh, so without having to go to an exchange and, um, you know, go through that long process and without having to just leave the app, um, so great, yeah. So, is there anything else we should cover uh, during our call or any during the podcast? Any other topics that uh, we miss or that are important that users should hear about before uh, ending? Yeah, I mean, I would just, I would definitely encourage um, everyone to visit datum.org. Um, we've got a website refresh coming up pretty soon. Um, in the meantime, um, please please join our Telegram community. Um, we have. Um, uh, country ambassador program that's going on right now um and we still have uh we're still looking for people uh in the u.s and um we're also uh soon to be uh releasing uh pre-registration for the uh for storage node um uh registration so uh, those two things are kind of coming up okay great and also users the uh, bounty campaign for datum should be up we don't have we haven't set a date yet but We'll be setting one soon, and once we do, uh, check the site for the bounties that will be live, um, and um, there will be a profile page for Datum where you can you know, learn more about their projects on the Bounty Zerex website and uh, you know, participate in the bounties and complete them and earn some of the uh, Datum tokens. So, um, great. Yeah, it was uh, nice having you on, Nick. Uh, Look forward to seeing the development of the project over the coming months and uh, best of luck and success with the uh, upcoming launch on mainnet and the uh, bounty campaign, which we're going to be participating in uh, and holding. So uh, 
yeah if there's anything else i guess we can just uh end the episode here yeah thanks for having us on and we're really looking forward to uh you know uh building a bridge to the uh the bounty ox community and meeting the sheriffs and bounty hunters um and uh yeah we look forward to uh to working with you guys and working with the community great thanks nick talk to you later Th- thank you Thanks for listening to another episode of the Bounty Zero X podcast. Please remember to subscribe to our podcast below. Check out BountyZeroX.io, the number one bounty hunting platform where you can complete work and earn cryptocurrency. Please consult your professional financial investment and tax advisors before making any investment in initial coin offerings. Bounty Zero X does not provide investment or financial advice and does not endorse or recommend investment in any ICOs advertised on the Bounty Zero X podcast or website.